0: Amen. Let's put a couple of verses up quick before you're seated. I'm calling this the ancient hatred because that's what we're seeing unfold in front of us, a continuation of what began long ago. Here we go. Genesis 12, one to 3. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land, the what? The land. Everybody say the land. That I will show you. Now, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. Now let's go to the next verses. I will bless those that bless you. Oh, my. I will curse those who curse you and treat you with contempt. Are they being treated with contempt? Okay. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. How could that be? Through Messiah Jesus that comes through the descendants of Abraham. Now, let's go to the next one. To your offspring, I give this what? Now, this is, we're jumping ahead a a few chapters. Three chapters later, here's what God clarifies to Abraham. To your offspring, I'm going to give this land. Now, he names the people that are on that land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites. Hittites, Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. (laughs) Well, they liked that ending, didn't they? Ites. All right. So, that's it. I wanted you to see what the Bible says here. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. And, Father, we just need... We first, we want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for Israel. We pray over, uh, Lord, your land there. But no other land has been chosen by you like that land. Lord, we pray for the thousands, not only of Jewish people, but Arab people, children, mothers, who are lying in hospitals now in agony, Both peoples, both people groups uh, who have lost loved ones whose hearts are broken and shredded by this ancient hatred. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name for your peace, for your healing, for a cessation of this terrible bloodshed. Lord, we thank you that your word shines a light on it and we are not in the dark. Speak to us tonight, and we do pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This is kind of, maybe you've never done this, but this is east. So can we just turn east and just put a hand out that way and just say, Lord, we pray your healing on that land. We pray for Jerusalem, Israel, the entire Middle East. We pray your help and healing on them. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. God bless you. Now, in both numbers, and I'm going to need it pretty quick, in both Numbers and Ezekiel, God even more explicitly lays out the borders of the promised land. I should have just held on to it. So let me show you the borders of the promised land. Uh, Now, this is real simple. See a little pointer? I love these things. I just want to show you The promised land border, according to the numbers 34 and Ezekiel 47. Okay? Now, here's the blue is Israel's current border. See that? But here's the the current borders of Israel. Now, you see the red line, and that is the promised land border, according to numbers 34 and Ezekiel 47. So it not only includes this, but all the way out here. And right now, it's not uh, a part of Israel, but it will be. Okay, so red is what God gave them. The blue is what they now have. Okay? Just wanted to give you a, a little bit of a visual. Now, Numbers 34, verse 2. God explicitly states the Israelites were inheriting the land of Canaan. Did he not? What we just read, God explicitly states that Israel is to inhabit and inherit that land. You read it with me, right? Okay. The western border of the promised land started with the coastline. Can we put the map back up there? The western border of the promised land started with the coastline along the Sea of Galilee. The eastern border extended down to the Dead Sea. The southern border started with the wilderness of Zin on the east side of Edom and extended to the west side of the Dead Sea. Now, I know that for some of you that's a lot of gobbledygook, but let me just make it simple. The entire territory that God gave them was about 60,000 square miles. 60,000 square miles. 144 miles in length from the north to the south. 40 miles across the southern border and 20 miles along the northern border. So 60,000 square miles were promised to Abraham's descendants. Now today, here's the issue. The Arabs claim that the Israelites stole this land on which the nation of Israel resides, that it's stolen, that they are essentially squatters, on that land, that they have no right to it, that it's the Arabs' land. That's the stated issue. That's the stated conflict. It's always about this. And here's, let me put it in perspective. The entire Middle East and Israel. Israel, that little slice of land about the size of New Jersey, is one-tenth of one percent of the land mass of the whole Middle East. Arabs control 99% of the Middle East. And a little bit of change. Okay? So what's the deal with this little sliver of land if you got 99%? It's spiritual. The Bible clearly reveals that God did not give the land to the offspring of Ishmael. Ishmael is the father of the Arabs. Okay? Very important. Now, in saying that, I'm not being in any way disparaging to Arab people at all. I'm just going to the authority of Scripture because that's my authority. I don't have any other authority. The Word of God and what it says is what I'm teaching. I'm called to teach the Word of God. And this is what it is, okay? The Bible tells us plainly, God did not leave it, bequeath it to the sons of Ishmael. He bequeathed it to the sons of Isaac. Now, let me read Galatians four twenty-two to 23. Here it is. Follow along with me. The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, The mother of one son was a slave woman. What was her name? And the mother of the other son was a free woman. What was her name? Sarah. Abraham's son, Ishmael, from Hagar, from the slave woman, was born in the normal human way. But the son from the free woman, Isaac, was born because of the promise God made to Abraham. And he was supernatural. He was born of the spirit, not like Jesus. Jesus and Mary are unique in all of history. Nothing else like that. But Abraham was a hundred. Sarah was 90. I say that's supernatural. Okay. Now look at verse 29. But the other son of Abraham, Ishmael, who was born in the normal way, this is very important, what we're about to read, persecuted the one who was born by the power, how? Of the Spirit. It's the same today. Paul ends that verse, it's the same today. Now, that's the way it was when Paul wrote it because Paul, as a Jew, was being persecuted everywhere he went preaching the gospel, and his main opponents were Jewish men. Men. So he's saying, as Ishmael persecuted Isaac, you remember, Sarah looked out the window of the house. And she sees little Isaac out there, and Ishmael is persecuting him, mocking him, running him down. And Sarah said to Abraham, she, that is Hagar, and the boy have got to go. Because in their house and in your house, flesh and spirit don't get along. Right? One of them's got to go. So God told Abraham, listen to your wife. All you ladies say amen. God said to Abraham, listen to your wife and have Hagar and the boy go. Now, I want to tell you what I personally believe. This is the root of the ancient hatred. This is it. Because Ishmael and Hagar, his mother, were dispossessed from the house, kicked out, told to go. Ishmael became a great nation as the angel of God told Hagar he would become But the truth remains, it's the same. Paul said, it's the same today. It was the same in Paul's day. It's the same in our day. The one born of the flesh persecutes the one born of the spirit. That's the ancient hatred. It goes back to that. Rejection, dispossession. Now, the land promised to Abraham was once called Palestine and still is by many today. It's also known as Canaan and the promised land. So synonymous, Palestine, Canaan, promised land, all the same. Now, full occupation of the promised land did indeed become a reality under David and Solomon, but it didn't last. Don't have time to go into all the reasons why. It didn't last because of wars. It didn't last because of concessions. And it didn't last because of God's judgment. But it didn't last, even though they did occupy all of it for a season. Now, jumping ahead in time, let's jump ahead to the New Testament and the year A.D. 70. Very important year, A.D. Anno Domini, after Jesus, 70, when Jerusalem was leveled and destroyed by the Roman army under Titus. The temple was also raised to the ground, as Jesus said it would be. There won't be one stone left on another. He said in Luke, you're going to see Jerusalem surrounded by armies. Everything Jesus said in around 33 A.D. happened in 70 A.D. He's the greatest prophet in the whole Bible. And the Jewish people when they they leveled Jerusalem, over a million were slaughtered. The ones that survived were dispersed throughout the world, and it's called the diaspora. Now, I want you to pay close attention to luke twenty one twenty four because we have a very important prediction from Jesus regarding the land after this event of Jerusalem being destroyed. look at luke twenty one twenty four they this is Jesus talking. They, the Jewish people, will fall by the sword and be taken as prisoners to all the nations. That happened in 70 A.D. Jerusalem, now this is what I want you to look at. Jerusalem will be trampled on by who? The Gentiles. Till when the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. What in the world does that mean? Well, what it means is, Gentile peoples are going to occupy that land until God's time for letting them do it is up. The times of the Gentiles. There will come a day when God won't let them do it anymore. That's the thing. Remember that verse. Because this is exactly what happened. For 20 centuries, the land of Israel was occupied by various Gentile peoples, uh, Arabs, Romans, the British, uh, the Ottoman Empire, and so on. All Gentiles occupied that land. I'm going to take you through the back and forth. It's like watching a ping pong game. I'm going to take you through it. But here's the thing, God miraculously kept the Jewish homeland from ever being declared a state or a country or a nation by any of the Gentile groups that occupied it. It remained stateless, nationless, unnamed. God did not allow for 20 centuries anybody to say, I'm going to make it a nation. I'm going to declare it a country. I'm going to officially uh, uh, make it an official state on the map. No, it's just going to be a landmass. And that's what it was for 20 centuries. It was not until the Jewish people declared Israel an official state in 1948 that it was ever declared, ever. That was the first time in 20 centuries anybody had ever Declared that landmass that I showed you an official state or country or nation. You know what that means? God the Father kept his original covenant promise to the Jewish people that he had made to them back in the Old Testament that he would bring them back to their homeland of Israel and they would once more repossess it as their own in the latter days. So for 2,000 years, that lamb mass sat there. So let me just take you through a brief history trip. I now become Professor Wickwire, okay? Here's the deal. Following God's promise, let's go back to Israeli history. Following God's promise to Abraham, his descendants, the Jewish people, became slaves in Egypt. You know all this, this is Bible history. They became slaves in Egypt for how long? 400 years. 400 years. Good, church. You get an A. God called Moses to rescue his people by mighty signs and wonders, which he did, 10 of them. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They didn't need to, but they did. Uh, Moses and everybody over 20 years of age. Failed to make it into the promised land due to God's judgment. That entire generation that left Egypt and went into the wilderness, not one of the originals tasted one grape out of the promised land. They didn't cross over. Neither did Moses because he messed up. God chose Joshua and Caleb to carry them on over he miraculously divided the Jordan, they walked through, and they began to take the promised land. The promised land was inhabited by the Canaanites, and all the ites that I read to you a little while ago, they all comprised the Canaanites. They were in Canaan, and so Canaanites and all the other ites lived there. Now, Israel was God's method of judging them. Israel was God's judgment arm. He said, go in and dispossess them because the land is vomiting them out because they have so sinned and and so blasphemed and gone to such a level of depravity. The only thing left is judgment. So God used Israel to drive them out or to exterminate them. It was not a genocide. God never called for a genocide. Don't let any atheist ever tell you that. It was not a genocide. God just wanted them driven out. And if they were willing to go on their own, they let them go. It was not a genocide. The Jewish people, once they began taking the land, they apportioned out what became the biblical kingdoms of Israel and Judah to the 12 tribes. 12 tribes, all given part of the land. From this time forward, the biblical kingdoms of Israel, Judah, and Judea have been the only, catch this, the only independent, sovereign nations or states that have ever existed in that land. What they carved out as those that took the land. No other groups of people ever managed to do so after the Jewish people were driven out in 70 A.D. It sat there 2,000 years. Now, after the Romans conquered Judea, here comes some history. After the Romans conquered Judea, Palestine became a province of Rome. Rome absorbed Palestine after Palestine had been conquered by the Romans. So it became a part of Rome. Now, with Rome, there was Western Rome and Eastern Rome. Western Rome fell first, collapsed. And, boy, I could spend a whole night talking about the similarities between Western Rome and us. That's another night. But when Western Rome collapsed, then... Palestine was absorbed by Eastern Rome that was called Constantinople, okay? Constantinople, or the Byzantine Empire. Everybody say Byzantine. That was Eastern Rome. Western Rome lasted 425 years after Christ. But Eastern Rome, the Byzantine Empire, Constantinople, lasted after 1,000 years, Okay? Now, here goes the back and forth because now the land of Palestine is going to go from hand to hand to hand to hand. Okay? In 638 A.D., the Muslims have appeared because Muhammad was born in early 600s. And in 638 A.D., an Arab Muslim caliph. Now, a caliph is a leader of the Muslims. You heard of a caliphate? A caliphate is led by a caliph a caliph is a leader of the Muslims, took Palestine away from the Byzantine Empire and made it a part of an Arab Muslim empire. Keep in mind, the Arabs were Gentiles, not Jews. How do you know you're you're a Gentile if you're not a Jew? If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Every proud Gentile in here, raise your hand. Some of you have no clue. Okay. Watch this now. Um, During this period when this Muslim caliph leader and and Muslims took Palestine away from the Byzantine Empire, many of the people living in Palestine became Arab Muslims and converted to the religion of Islam. If you can't beat them, join them. However, Palestine still was never declared an official state, nation, or country, even under the rule of the Muslims. They never declared it an official country or nation. Okay? Then, jumping forward to the year 1099 A.D., the turn of the millennium, the Christian crusaders from Europe conquered the Palestine area. We call this the Crusades. The Crusades. The first crusade was successful. Because the Crusaders from Europe conquered the Palestine area and took it back away from the Muslims. Bing, 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 bing. Now, here we go again. But the Christian Crusaders never declared it a nation or a country or a state. It still remained an unnamed landmass, the, ma- the landmass of Palestine. And, and for, for the uh, Crusaders, it just became a military outpost. That's all that it was. Then later on, Palestine ended up in the hands of Syria. Then from Syria, it fell into the hands of the Ottoman Turks, who were predominantly Muslim. Bing, bing, bing. All these different Gentile groups took the land. Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles till the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Keep that in mind. Our Lord prophesied precisely. Keep in mind that all these temporary possessors of Palestine, like I've said, they were Gentiles. Okay? Now, after World War I, guess who took Palestine? The British. They took Palestine from the Ottoman Turks. So here it goes again. The British British then temporarily governed Palestine under the League of Nations. Again, during all these transitions and takeovers, nobody named it a nation or a country or did anything official with it. They just oversaw it. Now, here's the intriguing part. The story takes a turn. Right around the late 1800s, the Jewish people started to migrate back to Palestine in small droves. You say to them, why are you doing that? I don't know. I don't know why I'm migrating back. I just feel compelled to go. Everybody say sovereignty, prophetic fulfillment. And the land itself at this time, when they began to migrate back, the land was dry, barren, desolate, unattractive, overgrown, and the Jewish people that came back started to farm it and cultivate the land and make it flourish and prosper again. You know why? Because they felt a certain ownership for it because they really believed God had given it to them. The reason it was so desolate, it was because nobody up to that point had owned it or cared enough about it to cultivate it and beautify it and, and, and uh, harvest its potential. Now, there were some Arabs already there, but many more began to come when word got out that it was now being farmed and was producing and was flourishing. The Palestinians have always complained that it was the Jewish people that dislocated them from this land. But it was really just the opposite, okay? It was the Jewish people who first came back and started to make the land flourish again due to their farming efforts, uh, not the Palestinians, not the Arabs. The Jews did. Soon the land of Palestine began to witness a great mix of people groups migrating to the land because now it's getting on the radar of the world. Boy, there's incredible incredible produce and farming and potential, and this place is The place to go. So they began to migrate. But the main two people groups were the Jews and the Arabs in the land at the turn of the 20th century. Then World War II began to break out in the early 30s. And even more Jewish people started coming back to Palestine. At the end of World War II, guess what? After the horrors of the Holocaust, they said, we've got to have a homeland. We've lost 6 million of our people. We're on, we're everybody's target. We need the security of a homeland. We need a place where we can build houses and have our own nation, have our own state, have our own country. We're tired of wandering and being persecuted everywhere we go. And as Moses said to the Jewish people, He said, if you don't obey the Lord, you're going to be dispersed to the world and when it's morning, you're going to wish it was evening and when it's evening, you're going to wish it was morning because everywhere you go, they're going to persecute you and exactly what Moses said happened. So they said, we need a homeland. So after World War II, they began to beat a fast track to the land of Israel, Palestine. Then an incredible Bible prophecy was fulfilled. At midnight on May 14th, 1948, a provisional government of Israel proclaimed a new state of Israel. And that landmass was declared a state for the first time in 20 centuries. Wow. And you know who was right there amening it? We were. President Harry Truman recognized the provisional Jewish government as an official state, and he was the first one to announce to the world it's real and it's valid, and we recognize it. Now, some people wonder, how, how has America been so blessed? Though I think now we're in real trouble. But heretofore, how was America so blessed? I think one reason was because we, we blessed Israel. We blessed the birth of that nation. Now, at that time, when they became a nation again, they renamed it. They changed the name from Palestine to Israel. And that did not bless the Arab world. No, no. They wholeheartedly rejected this turn of events. They insist and insisted that the land belonged to them and still belongs to them, not the Jewish people. Shortly after Israel became an official state under Jewish rule, the displaced Arabs began gaining support from Arab countries around them. Here's a few, Egypt, Iraq, Iran, Lebanon, Syria, and Jordan. And during this time, many of the Arabs in Israel were driven out. Now, this matters. Watch this. During this time, many of the Arabs that were in Israel were driven out because of their resistance to what was happening, and they were forced to live in refugee camps in Lebanon, Syria, and Gaza. The Arabs that were driven out call themselves Palestinians. Why Palestinians? Because we don't recognize the name of Israel. We recognize the name of Palestine when it was ours. We don't accept the new name or this change. So we're called Palestinians, and that's what it means. Are you tracking with me? Palestinian. That's why they insist on Palestinian. PLO. Palestinian Liberation Organization. Under Yasser Arafat, and that's another story. Since all this happened, two major wars have erupted. Now I'm coming towards the close, um, but track with me now. Since it's been rebirthed as a nation, birthed as a nation, first time in 20 centuries, the landmass I showed you, there's been two major wars. What's called the Six Day War of 1967, when Miraculously, against all odds, and I mean against staggering odds, Israel won the war against the Arab countries that attacked it in six days. Then there was the war of Yom Kippur in 1973, six years later. And again, they won. They won against overwhelming odds. Numbers militarily everything. They won. And now we've got a new one erupting. They officially, since the Yom Kippur War of 1973, this is the first time officially that war has been declared. So now we've got another major one. This is a major one. This is war. This is not little skirmishes where a few rockets were shot out of Gaza into Tel Aviv. This is Declared war. Let's step back and look at the biblical picture in closing because this is where I got to land. I'm going to land with the Bible. Here's the biblical picture. What's really going on behind the scenes, behind the veil, through the lens of God? Here it is. God the Father told his chosen Jewish people, Back in the Old Testament, we read it, that he would bring them back to this land in the latter days and that it would be their land as an everlasting possession. Well, how everlasting? Because did you read, when Jesus returns, he's returning there. And his feet are going to land on the Mount of Olives. And it's going to cleave east to west. And he's going to set up shop in in Jerusalem and rule the world from this landmass that's how it's everlasting god has promised them no one would ever take it away from them again no one this is why no other peoples or countries have ever declared the land an official state country or nation uh, during all of the takeovers, all of the back and forth from all the Gentile peoples, God himself kept it from ever happening. He kept the land for his people. Now, I want to say this uh, quickly. Uh, is Israel a, a godly nation? No. Israel is secular. Christians, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's teeny tiny. Those that are true uh, 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 followers of Moses attending synagogue every week and so on and so forth. Not a lot. It's mainly secular, but that doesn't matter. Because the Bible, and this is another message altogether, there's so much stuff here. <clears throat> but the day is going to come when there is a national awakening and Israel is going to look up and believe on the one who was pierced for their sins. Yep. But until then, yeah, they're secular, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't remove the promises of God. The Bible says the Jewish people in the land of Israel will be protected by God the Father until the Antichrist appears to start the last and final round of persecution of the Jewish people. It will happen midway through the Great Tribulation period. Antichrist will show his true colors. And he will turn on Israel and persecute them Holocaust level. Until this last and final Holocaust starts with the Antichrist, God is going to continue to protect Israel from all of the Arab countries and the radical Muslims that would want to completely wipe her off the face of the map. Iran wants to do that. Hamas wants to do that. Hezbollah wants to do that. Uh, they, they are surrounded by virulent, vitriolic, furious, hate-filled people that want them not just defeated, vaporized. Israel will not be defeated until the Antichrist takes over in the middle of the tribulation. And just when it looks like the terrible war of Armageddon, which happens at the end of the tribulation, when it looks like it's going to wipe out all of mankind, something is seen in the sky. Something is seen in the sky. What is that? It'll be the Lord Jesus in the clouds coming back. He'll stop that war from Jerusalem he will call all the nations to himself and he'll separate the sheep from the goats. It's called the judgment of the nations. He'll judge the nations. I was in prison and you visited me. I was hungry and you fed me. Thirsty and you gave me a drink. Inasmuch as you did to the least one of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So on and so forth. He'll judge the nations. Then he will commence to install the millennial kingdom where the lion will lay down with the lamb, they will beat their swords into plowshares, and there will be war no more. And the good part is that Satan is going to be thrown into a prison, locked up and chained for a 1,000 years. And I got to stop there because I could go into all kinds of eschatology here and we don't have time. But I want you to know, What is happening right now over there is exactly over there. It's what God said would. All right. Lord, we just thank you. Can we lift our hands to the Lord? And by the way, folks, we don't want to see Arabs hurt. I don't want to see anybody suffer. Not anybody. Lord, have mercy. We ask for mercy for ourselves. Mercy for our country. Mercy for Israel. Mercy for Arab and Jew. May there be a revelation of Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Move throughout the Middle East. And thank you, Lord, that no matter what comes, you knew that it was coming. And we're safe in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.